Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 93, and I am absolutely thrilled to have my friend. I now call her a friend after we spent three or four days uh, cramping up together, getting in 25,000 steps together at Snow Valley in northeastern Iowa. Liz Kay from, I want to make sure, Wakana Regional High School? Wakona, yeah, Wakona Regional High School. Wakona Regional High School out of uh, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm Liz, I'm surprised when we scheduled this, and I didn't even think about this, but you know Tom Brady's playing football right now. I do. My husband's downstairs watching it. We're uh, we got to the end of the first quarter, so it's a good breaking point. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I can't promise you. I'll, I'll get you back to see the end of the game at the very <laughs> least. I'll get you back to see it. So, uh, but no, excited to have Liz Kay on the on the podcast here this week. Really excited to have her on. We met at uh, Snow Valley. Got to know each other a little bit. Uh, things are pretty chaotic. You don't have as much time as you would like to talk with people, uh, but uh, we're going to have a great conversation here tonight, so I'm really excited to have Coach K on. Uh, but before we get to Coach, uh, we of course want to thank our, our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. Check out their practice at COSACChiro.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, it's just at a pen and a napkin. Uh, if you're listening, of course, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review. Give us five stars so that we can get the word out, gain momentum in the ratings, so that we can help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. And, of course, check out a pen and a napkin.com. And I just put on a new video, a new university video today on defensive transition. It's there. It's $10. $10 for 45 minutes on what I think is really good information on defensive transition, philosophy, schemes, and drills that I've used over my career to implement defensive transition. But enough about me. It's about my honored guest from the Eastern Time Zone out of the great state of Massachusetts, Liz Kay. Liz, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here, and uh, you know, since our since our time at Snow Valley, I've had the chance to go on and, and listen to several of your of your podcasts, and I really enjoyed all of them. And everybody can get some great nuggets, so hopefully, I can help out that department tonight. Well, I, I'm sure you will. If I didn't if I didn't think you could help people out, I wouldn't have you on here. So, <laughs> uh, but no, really excited to have have you on here tonight. Um, uh, veteran coach, uh, been around over 20 years, and and I believe, now I could be wrong, uh, Babe Kwasniak from Cleveland, Ohio has been on a couple of times, but you are uh, you are definitely my first uh, Eastern Standard Time guest. I'm, I'm very confident of that, like hardcore East Coast, <laughs> East of the Appalachians guest. So I'm, I'm really excited about that, Liz. So uh, for the folks that don't know about you or don't know you, uh, tell us a, a, a little bit of your background, your basketball journey, and and how you ended up where you're at today. Well, I'm pretty sure that everybody listening, if they if they hear Coach K's on here, uh, <laughs> they probably assume it's the other Coach K. So I apologize to anybody thinking that that's they're going to get. Ironically, though, I did grow up in Durham, North Carolina. So um, I actually went to, to high school with Coach K's daughter and. Uh, We've, we've had uh, 
the, the golden season Duke tickets for my entire life. So that's sort of how I got into mm-hmm. basketball. And um, I'm a diehard Duke fan, so forgive me uh, if that offends any of your listeners. But um, grew up in Durham and uh, had a great experience playing all through school. Um, was supposed to play in college, but unfortunately uh, had some had some injury issues. Um, but that did lead me into coaching and. So at the at the spry age of 21, I, I got in uh, into coaching as an assistant coach um, in, in the Boston area, and uh, sort of has gone from there ever since. Mm-hmm. How'd you How'd you end up? How's a girl from Durham, North Carolina, end up in the Boston area? Uh, a very persistent um, soccer coach who also happened to be the basketball coach at Bates College up in Maine uh, gave me a call when I was in high school and uh, said. Hey, come on up here and, and play for me. Um, I was a much better soccer player than basketball player, mm-hmm. but the appeal of having a coach that wanted me for both was really exciting. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so, uh, North Carolina influence. Uh, you know, obviously, you're in the the cradle of basketball there between Chapel Hill and and I've been in North. I've got family in North Carolina over in the Charlotte area. Uh, so I, I've been down there. I've always said if I wasn't going to live in the Midwest, I would live in North Carolina. Uh, I just think it's an awesome place. Um, you are, uh, you're in a, in a situation here. You got to be really excited. Uh, you got a new high school coming your way and, and all new facilities. And what has that, uh, process been like as you kind of, you know, we're all preparing for for new seasons here in the next couple of months, but you've got this added bonus of all these new new little toys to play with. I would assume in your in your new school. So, uh, tell us about your new school. Tell us about the facilities you're going to have. How that might change a, a bit of your your program and and how your uh, how you might implement or do some things differently than you normally have. Yeah, you know, it's funny because it, the. Uh the school that we're at has so much charm and charisma, you mm-hmm. know, so, so it's hard in some ways to leave um, some of the legacy behind and, and tear down a gym that, that has so many memories in it, um, including a boys coach who's in the New England Hall of Fame who was there for 43 years, um, had over 500 wins, and, you know, the court's named after him. And, you know, so that, that piece of it is, is hard to leave um, because there's so many memories in there. Luckily for us, we... Uh, we did not get the chance to play a postseason this year due to COVID, mm-hmm. um, but we did. We did cap off um, an undefeated season with twenty. We did get twenty games in, um, and we were able to cut down the nets and you know as the last team to play in there, which was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are excited to move in. Uh, actually, they, they were a little delayed, um, surprisingly, not because of the, of the building process, but as you can imagine, with all of the the shipping issues, the, uh-huh. it's actually the interior. You know, microchips and whatever else needs to go in there that's yeah. <laughs> delayed the process a bit. So we're going in in October. Um, we'll have a weight room, which we've never had before. Um, you know, obviously a lot more space. The only thing I, I hope to take with us, as you know, with new gyms is usually the rims are ridiculously hard. <laughs> so we're trying to actually sneak in and uh, steal, the, steal the rims off of our, out of our old gym and, and bring those in. And hopefully we'll get a little soft touch coming in. Yeah. Um, uh Casey Hall, who's who's been on the the pod numerous times, 
he coached at an all-girls school, and they had the tightest rims in the city. And I was like, you just need to bring a guys at team in here and have them dunk on your rims for like four hours straight to get those things loosened up some. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so the the new weight room and the, and and that type of thing. How does how does that change, or or, or what are you thinking with that? As far as are, are you looking to to change up your your schedule and how you're doing things? Are you are you looking to get the the kids into that weight room uh, much you know on a consistent basis? What what's what what are you going to do with this new little toy that you've you've never really had before? Well, I've been fortunate to work a decent amount with some strength and conditioning programs for some pretty high-level kids in the past. Um, and, you know, I, I think sort of a mis, you know, misguided, uh, you know, thought that a lot of people have is that, you know, the girls don't need the weight room as much as the boys do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there, there are various programs that we're hoping to bring in the off-season, but also uh, bring in during, during the season where we kind of maybe hope, hopefully go in twice a week. Um, and do in-season strength and conditioning as well. Uh, I think that adds so much more confidence to to kids, um, not only just for their stamina and obviously strength, but um, but you know that they get really into it. It brings about a, a, another aspect of team bonding that I think people don't necessarily always think about. And you know, we're not allowed to have contact with our kids in the off season with basketball specific workouts. So I think this will be a great way for us to be able to spend time together uh, in the off season as well. So, so you guys don't get to do like any team camps or any you know individual or, or group workouts or anything like that in the off season. Uh, they can, but I can't coach them. Oh, Anybody wow. who's on the coaching staff, including our volunteers, are not allowed to work with our kids with basketball specific workouts. So, I do have we do uh, go, go with we have summer leagues. Um, I do have some volunteers that are willing to do some, some workouts with the kids in the off season, but in terms of my presence, I'm not, I'm not even allowed to be in the gym. Wow. Wow. Why, why such, um, I, I don't know if harsh is the, uh, stringent rules, strict ruling. What, what's the, what's the thought process with it in, in your state? I think a big piece of it is that, you know, one thing I, I actually love about the state is we have a lot of multi-sport athletes. And, and that's something that's kind of gone by the wayside over the years um, with kids believing that they, they need to focus on one sport. Um, for me, I've actually found that it's actually benefited our program. I think mm-hmm. kids come in fresh. I think they come in excited. They, it's not like they don't touch basketball in the offseason, and they, they get to hear different voices other than mine, which I think is a good thing. Um, but I have a lot of kids playing soccer right now. You know, they come in and, in shape in a way that, you know, trains muscles that we may necessarily not use as much. Um, and I think it's actually prevented injuries quite a bit as well. Um, so I, I, as much as I, I would love to work with our kids, I also respect and love the fact that people don't take advantage of it to the point where it, it takes away from the other athletic activities that these kids can do. Mm-hmm. We, we started a conversation. I don't know if you remember this or not, coach, we started a conversation at Snow Valley, and we got about 30 seconds into it, and then, of course, the whistle blows, and we, we got to move on to, to whatever it was that Coach Show wanted us to do next, you know, actually work for our paychecks or whatever. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we started talking about um, why there are not more women in coaching. And as soon as that conversation got broken up and we kind of had to go our separate ways, that conversation that we started at Snow Valley 
couple uh, you know a month and a half ago i you know i wanted to continue and expand on here because you know even with um the podcast uh i've i have not had very many uh female guests and that's not for not wanting to have female guests it's just there are not a lot of female coaches out there especially at the high school level so you know, what are kind of your thoughts as to why more women are not like you, somebody who has really dedicated a, a good chunk of their professional life and professional career uh, to being passionate about coaching basketball or any other sport, and and also uh, doing all the other things that a parent is, is that that's asked of, of of a parent of a of a spouse, so forth and so on. You know, it's really interesting you bring that up. I, I do remember that conversation, and 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 it's a conversation I've had. Uh, quite a bit actually throughout mm-hmm. my career. And I, I do believe that it certainly probably varies obviously by region. Uh, you know, it's interesting to hear you say, obviously you're in the Midwest. So I, I assume it's similar out there. Um, and it obviously may be different in other States. Um, but uh, you know, in, in, in Massachusetts, which obviously is a pretty, <laughs> pretty progressive yep. uh, area. Um, you know, I have to say that it surprised me as well, uh, especially when I started getting into it. And I would say, you know, it's been fascinating to me uh, to to get involved and realize that, you know, all of those, you know, things you hear and stereotypes of, of you know, well, okay, is this, is this, is this actually what happens? Um, you know, and, and then to go through it and, and realize that, you know, you really do need to work harder than everybody else. You really do. And, and I think part of that, is, is just sort of the, the, the culture we live in in some, in some ways, which, which, you know, you would think by, you know, 2021 would be gone by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I do see it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I think, you know, when, it, when it, you it, say working I, harder, you, you mean working harder as a basketball coach or, you know, absolutely, in general? absolutely okay. for respect and for, you, you know, to, to sort of establish yourself, get your foot in the door, um, I don't think it's for lack of administrations to want to hire female coaches. In fact, I think that's actually very preferable at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But I do think that because it, it's sort of a, it's a domino effect, right? So, you know, if there's not a lot of female coaches, then you don't have a lot of female mentors yeah. um, to influence that younger generation of coaches coming in. And as you know, especially with social media and email and all of that, um, I think it's particularly difficult to, to coach in general um, because you have pressures from so many various places and such a, a watchful eye on you and what you're doing um, that I think it's just a profession that's really difficult to get into in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came in at the current job that I'm at now, and I actually moved to Massachusetts from Connecticut because I got married, um, and, and one of us had to move, and <laughs> so it happened to be me, uh, I was the only female coach in our in our league, um, and then only one of five in all of Western Massachusetts when I started. Wow! So that was very eye opening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, you know, winning and success, you gain respect quickly. Um, it's sad that that's the way to do it. I think I know a lot of phenomenal coaches that just simply don't have the resources or the talent to be as successful as I've been lucky to have been. But, um, but you know, some of the best, some of the teams I have to prepare for the most are, and are the most well-coached are not necessarily the most 
successful with wins and losses. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that there's a double standard for women sometimes when it comes to coaching? Like, for example, a, a guy gets upset at an official, and and they start giving him the business, or or her the business, and you know an, an observer says. Oh, that's just you know that's just him being intense and look at look at that coach getting after it and so forth and so on. Same exact situation, same exact. You could use the same exact words, but if you do it, there's negative connotations about uh, a, a female doing that. And and when you're both just being competitive or you're both just questioning a call, do you, do you do you feel that at times, Liz? I I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think I've learned and sort of as I've matured myself as a coach, I believe is that, you know, there are, there are disadvantages to, you know, more than just being female, you know, you, you more than just being female. So, you know, it could be because you're young. It could be because you're old. It yeah. could be because you've been in the league forever. It could be because you're brand new. Um, and you find ways, or at least I've found ways to sort of negate some of that. Um, I'm very fortunate that I have a phenomenal staff. Mm-hmm. I have four other coaches on my staff, um, several of which are men. Uh, and I do have one female who, who is uh, about 6'4 and played professionally overseas. So she's, you know, a presence. Uh-huh. Um, and, and you find ways to get people on your staff. And in my situation, I've had males on my staff who have been phenomenally successful coaches in the region who happen to hop on board as assistants for me. And just by doing that, that sort of negates some of that stuff. Gotcha. Um, you have to swallow your ego. You know, I, I think, you know, I'm going to make bad decisions as a coach. Referees are, you know, going to make bad decisions in my mind. And of course, you know, whether those are bad decisions or not is up to them, but yeah. you know, we're going to disagree. Yep. And I think I think what I've learned, and this takes it's not a male female thing, is to be a little bit more mature and a little bit more tactful in how I handle those situations. And I think that that has helped me a tremendous amount. Okay. Yep. Do you um, do you think because overall there is a a, a lack of of women or females who choose to go into the coaching profession and because of the emphasis at the collegiate level that they're wanting to bring in uh as many good female co- as good you know first first of all have them be good coaches but if they're good female coaches that will be also coaching women's basketball that's just an added bonus uh do you think that also puts a uh, that limits the the numbers of good female basketball coaches at the high school level because there's such a demand for female coaches at the collegiate level? Uh, I'm not sure because I think it's a different niche. Uh-huh. You know, okay. I, I really believe, and I've had several chances to get into college coaching, and for me it wasn't, it just wasn't my niche. I, I uh-huh. don't I don't want to recruit. Um, I like knowing the kids from when they're in third grade on up I think that, you know, as, as a high school teacher as well, I think the, they, I understand what they need um, from me in such formative years. 
Um, and not that they aren't formative in college as well, but it's a different kind, yep. you know. And, and I just think I think a big piece of it is that there's a, a legitimate fear of kids coming out of college and wanting to get into coaching where, you know, they have those mentors on the collegiate level and you can go in as a graduate assistant or a basketball, op, you know, a, you know, basketball operations manager or whatever mm-hmm. versus, you know, what's your in to high school coaching? You know, you're, you're either thrown into the fire with not really a lot of female mentors, um, you know, and, and forced to sort of navigate a, a difficult time where, you know, parents are a lot more present, obviously, than they are on, on the collegiate level and, and their input. And, um, you know, administrators are stretched in with all the things that they have to do. And, you know, so, so I think it's, I really think it's about mentorship. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about opportunity based on that. Yeah. You know, speaking of mentorship, you, you know, what, what are some, some things or, or at what point of, of your uh, career did it really uh you know, hit you that uh, I have a great opportunity here, and and I'm really making a a difference in these young women's lives because most of their coaches are males, uh, whether it's their club coach or their dad coaching them when they're in fourth grade at the Y or whatever it may be, and 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 what uh, you know that that's got to be a, a, a you know I'm sure you take it as this is a tremendous opportunity for me to show my young women that they can they can do whatever they want to do, and if they want to be a basketball coach and keep this balance of being a, a mother and a teacher and all the things that you do, and and that this is possible, and you can do a great job at it, and you can have balance in your life, and to to have that pride in in being a a strong woman, where for the vast majority of our nation's history that has actually been looked down upon in the last 15, 20 years or so. Now, you know, people are starting to realize that kind of chauvinistic thing that no, there is, we need strong women in our society. And these, like you've kind of referred to a couple of times, women need mentors and to show them that this is okay. And this is a, a, a positive career path that they can go down and that they're not pigeonholed into the certain stereotypes that that women tend to get pigeonholed into. Boy, that's a tough question. I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think I ever really realized that that I went from a mentee to a mentor. Mm. I don't know when that switch happened. I think I, I think I felt so overwhelmed early on in my career because I I was a head coach at twenty two. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and sort of then, you know, you're just trying to find your way as, as well as anybody else. Um, you know, I think as a teacher, uh, a high school teacher, I, I think that, you know, that sort of catches on a little bit more quickly because you see those kids every day of the year sure. and, and you realize what kind of an influence you can have. Um, but I think with my, with my hoops kids, I, I really believe that so much of, of empowering them and, and building them up really relates to showing up off the court. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the reality is that, you know, we, we were at a, last night we went and saw our, our uh, I think five or six of our kids play in a soccer game, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we, that's what we do. That's our date night. You know, we, we, we go grab something to eat and we go to the game and, you know, they, they know, they know we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's some of the traditions and some of the, the emphasis on, 
culture and, you know, sort of seeing the big picture off the court that I think kids nowadays who are so caught up in, you know, just instant gratification, they forget that big picture, which is sort of actually the silver lining of COVID, frankly, where I think my kids last year played in the moment and enjoyed every second in a way that they never had. Yeah. Because you never knew when your future, you know, you didn't know if you're going to be shut down the next day. Yep. Um, which is sort of tangential, but, but I would say that, you know, I was able last year, I had a, a, a kid who's, well, she's not a kid, she's 21, but she, she's a collegiate player whose season got canceled. Um, and she stayed home for the, for the year. She was remote, which was really difficult for her considering her father passed away tragically in October of last year. And she could, she joined my staff and it was so eye opening to see a 21 year old girl who is, you know, in college and, and, and a pretty high level player working with and influencing some of those kids that frankly, at my old age now, at you know, <laughs> at 43, uh, they don't think I'm that cool. So, um, you know, I, I would love to think that I have that influence, and I, I'm sure I do in some ways. That that you know, but when you see a 21 year old girl who idolizes me in so many ways, be idolized by these younger kids, you bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was such a tremendous, tremendous asset mm-hmm. for those kids, um, especially freshmen who, you know, I, I don't. I don't usually have a lot of freshmen that are that are on my team, but last year we happened to have some very talented kids, and she had a tremendous influence over them. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Now I hate to say it. Now I've become the mentee. I'm not the mentor anymore. <laughs> the, 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 that younger generation of coaches, they're the ones I call. Mm-hmm. You know, anything from from player development to culture development to you know the newest and, and brightest uh, you know X's and O's. If you can get those kinds of people in your orbit, boy, you know, it, it just takes off for you. Yeah. Yeah. I've, my, my two coaches are, uh, my two assistant coaches are quite a bit younger than me. And now I'm looking around like, oh, God, I'm, I'm the old man now. Uh, but, but I'm going to say this, Liz, I think we're both still pretty cool. You know, you're still cool. <laughs> all right. And, and, and I know I'm cool. You know, so just don't ask my wife if I'm cool because she'll say no. He's a dork. So, uh, but uh, well, you know, I have my husband on my staff, so when he makes that uh, <laughs> coach is really not that cool comment, you know, it really it really stings a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then then he's sleeping on the couch that night, so yeah, you know, that's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a pen and a napkin university is offering you our listeners a great opportunity to learn more about coaching above and beyond the a pen and a napkin universe in our video series detailing personal growth and development you can purchase videos on topics like interviewing for a job basketball analytics and fundraising and social media go to a pen and a and follow the links to order videos are ten dollars a piece or you can get a bundle for fifty dollars that's less than eight dollars a video listeners go check out a pen and a napkins video library liz you mentioned this a little bit earlier um 20 and 0 and just must have been rolling like a river there in western Massachusetts but but no state tournament and and I'm guessing you knew that before you even got close to postseason play that there wasn't going to be any postseason um so how you, you know you have this great team uh you, you feel like you got a chance to be really good and it does turn out that you are really good 
but there's not that thing that 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 culminating thing that that final we are the champions moment uh, that I know everybody wants and and I and I know that you wanted that. Uh, so what was it like trying or, or working your team and navigating your team, uh, building to that point where you know you know it's going to end and you know that final date, uh, but there's not going to be that official. Yeah, you know what? We are the best. It's kind of like the old college football when the writers used to vote in the poll and cr- and crown the the champion. Uh, what w- what was that coaching experience like for you? I can't tell you how many times I've been approached by people saying "What if?" Right? Because mm-hmm. this was the, the best team in school history. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, we were just that good, and. You know, to start the year, it was it was um, it was a tough pill to swallow. But obviously, in light of you know what's going on in the world, and you know, you, you really have to take it as an opportunity to talk about perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had kids that were you know in hybrid learning, um, you know, learning through Zoom, and then sometimes they were in person, and then you didn't know if we were even going to have a season. Yeah. Um, you know, I had some kids make impassioned pleas to the school board, you know, uh, over Zoom, which, you know, for a 15, 16-year-old kid in front of 100 adults on Zoom pleading to go back to school um, was something I, I hope I never witness again, but such a credit to how much our program, how much school, how much being around kids was so much more important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time saying that, you know, obviously you talk about, you know, and you've talked about this with, with uh, you know, your, your win forever stuff with Pete Carroll is, you know, the, the championship character and the championship effort. And, and I have those things every single day. Mm-hmm. And usually, lucky for us, when you get kids to buy into your system, which, by the way, I'm a very defensive-oriented coach, so you know, getting kids to buy into that over their own accolades and, and, you know, how many points you score is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. And they have. And, and that's a credit to my senior class who have had a tremendous amount of influence uh, over the years and they could have packed it in. Um, fortunately for us, our league happens to be the hardest league in the state. So within our league, we had two teams that were state champions in different divisions one of which beat us in our regional final. Um, so we had a lot to, to play for in that area. I mean, we were playing the best anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And then it became, all right, so we're playing the team that beat us in the regional finals. You know, we're going to play them three times this year because we were limited in terms of our geographical range that we could travel. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's play them and, and let's not, let's make it, you know, very obvious that we're, that we're better, you know. And then all of a sudden, uh, my best player, who's a senior, um, she hit it. She got her thousandth point, and then she's working for the girls' state, you know, girls' school record. And then, oh wow, well I can actually set the school record for the boys and the girls in total points. Not that she's that kind of kid. She's actually she probably could have scored six or seven hundred more points if she actually cared about that. Uh-huh. Uh, but we had small milestones that we could achieve on every day. Mm-hmm. And so while most kids are looking to 
their prom, their next season, their next thing, their graduation, their whatever, our kids were fully immersed in what we were doing every single day. Mm-hmm. And we were never going to be defined by three or four or five games at the end of a season. We were defined by the several months that we got to spend together. And that was actually one of the most special groups I've ever had. Yeah. When when you talked about the uh, when you talked about the goals and, and setting of the goals, was that something that was you know that was that seed uh, planted by you and the coaching staff or or set up by you and the coaching staff or was that something uh, that was organic and came from the kids or was it a little bit of both? Uh, I think it was a little bit of both. Though we we do spend a decent amount of time at the beginning of the season distinguishing between goals and destinations. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can set your destination. We want to win this many games. We want to shoot this percentage. We want to beat this team. We want to whatever. Those are all end results. How do you get there, right? My kids just wanted to be together in the gym. They wanted to have their team trivia every day. They wanted to write in the journal, which, by the way, I'll keep for the next however many years, and, and, and it'll be one of the most memorable things that I have. You know, we... we those things developed organically, and I think once we got over the hump of beating those two state champions the first time, it was like, okay, but you know, all right, now what can we do? Yeah. Okay, well, not, let's not beat them by 20. Let's beat them by 40, and mm-hmm. we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and to have that internal motivation, and it probably, I'm, I'm guessing listening to the story, it got to the point where, you really let the the team coach themselves. It sounds like to me, and, and not necessarily well, coaching themselves, but you didn't have to worry about motivating them. They were motivated nope. on their own. When you have the senior class that I had, where where we had three seniors who all set school records in various ways, and their leadership was so tremendous. Um, you know, we were also trying to get as many games in as we could. We mm-hmm. started our season a month and a half actually after we were supposed to, so we. Our first week, we had four games in five days. Wow. So as much as I would like to say how important my practice is, <laughs> I mean, they knew the system, they knew what to do, and they knew how to teach the younger kids, and they did it on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you sound like a, you, you had the NBA schedule there. You were copying Brad Stevens or something like that. So Yeah. I'll take that. I like Brad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, new job now for Brad, though. New job. So. <laughs> um, you know, we met at Snow Valley. And you also went out and worked uh, Jay Billis's camp this summer. Uh, how important is it for your own personal development to go out and work camps that are not your own on a consistent basis? Um, you know what? You know to keep yourself sharp or whatever it may be. How you know is that something that's been good for you in your career? Tremendously. I have met some of the best friends that I have are, are through Snow Valley, which I've worked for a number of years now. This is my first year going down to Jay Billis camp. Um, you know, and that was humbling because as you talk about female coaches, I was the only female coach out of 80 coaches there. Wow. So, uh, you know, it's 180 boys, you know, coming in. And, and so, you know, here you are, you know, you're the only female in the gym and you're, and you're working, you're doing footwork drills with a 6'10 kid who's a four-star kid who's, you know, about to sign with an ACC team or Kentucky or whoever. Um, you know, that was humbling in and of itself. Uh, but what you realize is 
you know, coaches are coaches. If you know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter, you know. And, and so that was really cool for me. Um, and Snow Valley has become one of the most special places uh, that, that I've ever been a part of, especially since the, the, the person that, you know, sort of recommended me to go, because I think most people at this point, you know, it, it really is, you know, you don't recommend somebody unless, as you mentioned, you, you gotta, you got to show up. And, it, and it's a, it's a mark on you if you recommend somebody that doesn't, yeah. who doesn't do everything. Um, so I took it as, as a tremendous opportunity after dealing with some of the lowest points of my coaching career, actually, um, to turn things around because you find that they are the most passionate coaches you will ever meet in your entire life. Mm-hmm. And some of those friendships, I was just uh, talking a lot with Nicole Dixon yesterday, actually, who was at okay. camp as well, yep. who coaches, you know, she's one of the most successful coaches at the high school level in the country. Mm-hmm. And, and she is one of my biggest advocates and one of my biggest cheerleaders, you know, and I have no doubt that as we go through the season, that it's the Snow Valley people that are going to be the ones, because a lot of them are from the Midwest with a little bit of an earlier time difference, <laughs> that when I'm, you know, when I'm having a moment at 1 a.m. my time, they're the ones still awake. Yeah. And, and they're the ones talking me through some of those moments. Yeah. Well, feel free to call anytime, Liz. Uh, just do it before 10 o'clock Central Time, because usually I'll be in bed. So <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, what, uh, what were some of the... Uh, common threads between Snow Valley and a, and a Jay Billis type of camp that that made them uh, other than like the the friendships that were created uh, the the environment because uh, I, I like I had said you know Snow Valley really pushed me to all right I'm I I'm gonna bring whatever I got and I don't know how much I got but I'm gonna bring it here because. There's there's some really smart coaches here, and I don't want to look like a, a knucklehead while I'm trying to teach this this breakdown drill. And and it really uh, got my fire going at the end of July, uh, when usually my fire's pretty pretty uh, pretty low at that point because it's kind of like relaxation yeah. time. But uh, what were some co- the kind of the common threads between the two entities? Uh, you know, every coach and, and coach show talks about this every year. Is that you know, you leave your ego at the door when you get there. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter who you're coaching. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did several clinics for the younger group and just absolutely enjoyed every moment of it as I tried to modify some of the things that we like to do to that younger age group, you know. And, and as you mentioned, you know, when you talked about Snow Valley too, boy, the Midwest kids, they're special. They're a different breed of kid. Those kids work so hard on a level that I've just never seen. Um, and not to say that they're not great in Massachusetts, but, man, th- those Iowa kids, it's, it's a different kind of kid. Um, but in terms of the coaches, you know, I, I walked onto the Jay Billis camp, and I walked in the gym, and I, I heard a voice from across the gym. And he goes, Liz Kay, is that you? And I, and I realized it was a Snow Valley guy oh, okay. who happened to be working the Jay Billis camp, too. Those are, It's the same type of guys mm-hmm. it's the same type of coaches mm-hmm. it's people who leave their egos at the door it's people who are passionate it's people that no matter what age they are just want to get better and learn mm-hmm. um w- w- none of us are done learning right i mean yeah. that, you know 23 years later and, and i'm getting something new every day listening to your podcast you know so it, it, you know talking with my assistant coaches i'm not i don't know everything mm-hmm. um 
and oftentimes they're more right on it. You know, so so it, it's finding people like that to surround yourself with. Um, that's just so important at this stage in my career. Yeah, I it was it was good for me. It, it had been, I think, probably fifteen, sixteen years since I had worked somebody else's camp. And it was just a good refresher for me where instead of worrying about popsicles and T-shirts and, you know, medical, you know, do, do we have the forms in or whatever, uh, I just got to concentrate on me and learning from other coaches and listening from other coaches what they do and, and watching other coaches coach and how they break down drills. And that was, that was a real uh, highlight for me. And I, I told my wife, I said, when I got home, you know, I, I need to do that at least once a summer. It doesn't necessarily have to be Snow Valley, but I got to work somebody else's camp at least once a summer just to watch other coaches coach and pick up on other things and not worry about running my own camps because that's going to help make me better. And ultimately, when I come back to my kids, it's going to make me better and make a, a better coach for them that's going to hopefully lead to better success for them. It's, that's the hope. Anyway. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. The Omaha Metro Basketball Coaches Association will once again be hosting their fall slate of coaches clinics starting on Wednesday, September 22nd at the Union Bank and Trust Basketball Facility located at 21015 Cumberland Drive in Elkhorn. Social hour begins at 6 p.m. with speakers starting at 7. Food and drinks will be provided each week, so come out and hear great speakers like Loyola of Chicago's new head men's basketball coach, Drew Valentine. Creighton men's, men's assistant basketball coach Ryan Miller, individual development coach Chevelle Herring, and sports performance coach Tyler Burr. For more information, reach out to Tom Crable at Boystown High School. Coach, you listen to a few of these, you know it is time for the Don Meyer quote of the day. And a lot of times I pick out the quote and it matches the person. I literally saw this one and I said, this fits Liz. And so this is for you, Liz. I picked this okay. one out just for you. So, and 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 this is uh, a, a huge compliment that I can give you because watching you at Snow Valley, uh, this is the first thing that jumped out at me. So, the Don Meyer quote of the day is: "Every day you teach attitude." And I thought you did an awesome job of teaching a great positive attitude every time I saw you with kids. Great positive energy, um, always had a smile on your face, and was you were totally invested in those kids for all 16 hours every day we were in the gym with them or whatever it was. Uh, but every day you teach attitude, and I think you do an awesome job of it. Oh, thank you so much. I, that's the biggest compliment anybody can give you, right? I mean, you, 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 you hope, at least as a teacher as well, you hope kids remember 10% of what you actually teach them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, 10 years down the road, um, you, you do it because you hope at least the, the kids that you coach over a long period of time, you hope you go to their weddings. Yeah. You know, you, you hope that I had a Snow Valley kid come up to me and say, hey, I remember you from a couple of years ago when you told this story. And, and I'm like, I, I, you know, really? You're, you're there for four days and, and you're doing 16-hour days and you remember that story I told three years ago when you were in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Th that's the stuff. That's the stuff that's important. Yeah. Um, you know, in and, and, and a time when I think uh, girls especially, um, you know, spend so much time being down on themselves, if you can get them for a moment out of their day to feel really good about themselves, then, then that's a good day, mm -hmm. you know? Um, 
So that, that means a lot. I, I, I appreciate that because that, that's exactly who I want to be. Yeah, well, you know, you, you just... You did. You're. You're. You're just did a terrific job, and that's that's the that's the biggest thing I could say. I mean, I could go on and on. We could do another half hour uh, on that, but we're not going to because I know folks want to hear other things about you, including how you communicate with your players. And and you sent me some information, and one of the things that I as I went through it, I found a, a quote that you you talk to your kids before every season, and you meet with your kids before every season, like a lot of coaches do, and and that's what I do as well. Um, but you had a great quote in there and your quote that, that you say to your players is, what do you need from me to get you to where you want to go? And where did you come up with that? How do you deliver it? Uh, talk about your, you know, what do you talk about with your players during your preseason meetings and, and how do you kind of frame that to help set the tone for that individual and for your team every year? Well, I think, you know, obviously there's the, the focus on, on where our team needs to go. Um, you know, some kids have aspirations at, at pl- of playing at the next level, and, you know, I certainly have some thoughts on that with individual kids and, and what I think they need to do. Um, you know, but I also think that there there's those, those three-sport kids that say, you know what, I just want to have a great experience. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. That's mm-hmm. the kid I want to Um you know, so I, I think a big piece of that is, you know, that's the same question whether you're the best player on the team or you're the worst player on the team. Mm-hmm. Those kids are all valuable. Um, and so I think that, that that's a, a really easy way of letting everyone know that they're valued and a huge piece of what we're doing. Because for us, we know uh, that, that our our success is solely going to be based on our, our, you know, our sum being such a bigger part than our individuals, you know, by themselves. We are not the most talented team, but my kids do things that, that at such a high level of the controllables um, that are so frustrating that we, our goal is to make other kids cry without even touching them. I mean, that is what we're trying to do. Um, and that is a complete buy-in, and you have to buy into them as individuals before they'll ever buy into what's you know whatever you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. What are uh, what are your controllables that you guys really really emphasize to force emotional distress on your opponents here? Uh, sorry, I'm I'm saying this with a little smile on my face because I think that's really funny how you worded that. Uh, but yeah, you know what what do you emphasize? You know when you're saying you know what control and and for for different coaches, there's going to be different emphasis with that. You may say what are the control you know what are the controllables that I want, and I could list off my top three, four, five things, and it may be completely different from your top three, four, five things. So what's at the top of your list, Liz? Well, I think you know the, the, there are there are pieces of uh, uh, of things that you want them to accomplish on the court that you know, ultimately lead to your success. You know, you want to talk about okay, we're going to be really good at rebounding. We're going to communicate the most. We're going to whatever. I think there's a piece of that, but at the end of the day, you know, the controllables of of your attitude and character those are expected. Those aren't things that. I would I necessarily have to address because that's just an expectation. Um, with that said, basketball is a game of balance, right? If you're on offense, 
you're more successful if you're on balance. If you know you're going to make more shots, you're going to, you know, make better passes. Uh, your ball handling is going to be better, and obviously defense is primarily geared towards making you off balance. Mm-hmm. So our focus is, generally speaking, to stay as on balance as we can on offense and be efficient. But more importantly, on the nights that you can't control your offense, we do a great job of forcing our opponents to be off balance when they have to face our defense. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, all of those individual things that lead up to that are all components, obviously, of that grand idea. And so it's all about making everybody else off balance. I think there's a lot of teams that want to be, say, okay, we're going to be great man-to-man defensive teams. That's fine. But then you better be better at it than everybody else. Mm -hmm. You have to be better than they are at their man-to-man offenses Mm -hmm. because you need to force them off balance. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a pressure defensive team, you better be better at it than the team that is also pressuring you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, great, we want to play up-tempo. Well, we might score 70. That's awesome. But if they score 90, we lose. Yeah. So – you know, it's 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 finding that it's finding that yeah. to me is finding your thing that makes you better that you're better at than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you got to have you got to have the counter, like you were saying. You know, um, I think it's very difficult to just have that one bullet in the chamber and just say, "Well, this is what we're going to do." And I don't care. This is what we believe in, and right. no matter what, this is what we're going to do. Boy. Like you said, you gotta be really, really special um, if if that's where you're at. Uh, you've got to have uh, a couple of counters, and those counters don't have to be as good as your number one, but they have to be presentable enough so that, as you said, you can keep your opponent off balance um, so that they just can't run roughshod on your number one if your number one isn't working. Um, Absolutely. Is, is that what you guys kind of emphasize? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you, you've talked a little bit about pressure defense and, uh, you know, what you're trying to prevent when, when you're doing so. And I would argue that it's the same thing, obviously, if, you, if, you're, if you're in the half court or the full court, you know, the not you know tough twos, right? Mm-hmm. You know, don't give up easy threes, but don't give up layups. You can give up the tough two. Okay, move on. That's, that's fine. I'll, I'll give that up. Mm-hmm. Um, straight line drives. You know, you know that's a... That's an obvious, if, if people are getting straight line drives and are able to, to monopolize that, then, you know, you need to change it up. That's a balanced thing, right? So, mm. uh, you know, whether it be throwing in wrinkles of what you already do, whether it be throwing in a press that, that maybe you've, you know, you've done a little bit, I just have found that what we do is incredibly unorthodox. And even our wrinkles off of those things are still unorthodox enough where good luck simulating in practice, I have the personnel based on what we're doing, luckily for me, at least at this point, mm-hmm. to, to do those things that even if I throw in wrinkles when you get comfortable, they're, they're wrinkles enough. Um, even if it's, like you said, throwing in man-to-man defense after a, a made free throw, it's you got to think. And mm-hmm. if I make you think, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And... You know that's that's the chess match. Um, I will say, uh, in the two years that I took off, that is probably the thing that I'm 
I don't want to say the thing, but one of the things that I missed the most uh, was, okay, here's my team. Uh, We have West High on Friday night, and it's Tuesday. And through Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're going to get prepped and ready to go to compete at the best level that we can to get ready to go for West High. And that chess match that's going to take place within those 32 minutes. And I... I, I believe I really believe that one of the things that that I did have done pretty well over my career is I would take time in June and July to think about what I was going to be doing in December when we played West High or in January when we were going to play East High or whatever it may be so that it wasn't rushed in those three days that I had a pretty good idea of what I was going to do because I had kind of thought those things through long before then. Now, obviously, there's certain things that go into that. The stuff that you think is going to work, maybe it isn't working as well, yep. or there's an injury or whatever it may be. It, uh, are, are those some of the things that, that, that you've done, Liz, where, you know, to, to get yourself prepped for that? You're, you're not you know, you haven't prepared for that Friday night game starting on Wednesday and Thursday. That prep has started long, long before that. Yeah. You know, one of the first things to go with a lot of coaches that I've talked to, you know, you, you, you make a schedule for practice and, and inevitably, you know, you run out of time on, yeah. on all the things you want to do. And, and sometimes at least for the early part of my career and, and certainly, um, you know, has sort of been an emphasis for me over the last, you know, several years is situational basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we spend time making sure that we have things in our back pocket that we've practiced where if we have to use our timeouts, especially in situations, I'm not drawing something up that they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a motto a couple of years ago, or we have a slogan every year, and one of them was sleep through the storm, which is, you, you know, I want you in a tight game where if it's, if it's tight and, and, you know, everything matters that you just have a big old smile on your face. Cause you already know that you're prepared for that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's just so important. And, and, you know, we, we do all those things as much as we can. Um, but obviously even some of the wrinkles that we throw in, uh, they're not huge. You know, you're, you're, you're just adjusting what you already do. You're not throwing on something that they've never seen before. Yeah. Um, I also surround my co- myself with coaches that are better than I am. So if I don't know what to do, chances are they do. Yeah. Um, I've had timeouts where I've called a timeout and I stand off to the side as one of my coaches runs a timeout. Mm-hmm. I have no shame in that. That doesn't bother me. Yep. Um, so, I've, so I've been really fortunate to have that. Uh, what about this? You know, okay, well, I didn't think of that before. Yeah. Um, but we like to we like to believe that we're more prepared than anybody we're going to play, and our kids believe that, whether it's true or not, they believe it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's a good thing. Yeah, and, and believing is half the battle. So mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about that that coaching staff of yours, uh, including your husband. Uh, what, what, how do you delegate that? How do you delegate your responsibilities, uh, both, let's say, uh, in, in practices, let's start with practices. How do you, how do you delegate between, uh, the, the four assistant coaches, assuming that they're all in the gym at the same time with you and, and then on, on game nights, what are the responsibilities of your coaches and how do you, how do you work that and communicate that and get the optimal performance out of your team? Let's start with practice first. Sure. You know, a lot of that is just is a lot of conversation before we even get going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the first 
the first year, for example, that the one of my assistants, Fiona, she's been with me for three years, and, and as I said, she played professionally in, in overseas and um, happened to live in the area and called me up and said, hey, you know, do you need any help? And I'm like, well, you're six three, yeah, of course you can come help. <laughs> By the way, I'm five foot five, so yeah, um, you know, and and she she was really good about being communicative about, hey, I, I want to, I want to see how you do things. And once I get the hang of that, then let's talk about more about responsibilities that I can have. Um, you know, and that communication has just been so essential where once she got a feel for how, how we run our program and our philosophy, et cetera, um, she's taken on more responsibility over the years and she's going to take on more responsibility this year. Um, mm-hmm as she expands her role with our team. And, and so, you know, we, we don't, I don't think a lot of back to the basket post players really exist anymore, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they're they're harder to find, job. that's for sure. They yeah. don't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we always say be a player, not a position, you know, in some ways, but, uh, but she's so good at working with those forwards and those, those kids and how to use their bodies to the best of their ability. Um, so she's taken on that role, but I think she's going to take on an expanded role this year. Um, my husband is an offensive guru, so he's he's very focused on our perimeter players and our, our inbounds plays and some of our sets that we run offensively. Um, you know, my my assistant Dan is is our JV coach is spending a lot of time with the younger kids who are swinging for us as well. So he's sort of getting them to to not be so bright eyed and really kind of slowing things down for them and explaining sort of the details of that and pulling kids aside. Um, I love sitting back for 20 minutes of practice and taking notes on what they're doing at times. Um, and so they have, I'll say, hey, you know, we need to do some of these things. Do you have something that's a, that's a little different than some of the things I've been doing? And oftentimes they'll say, yeah, I do. Give me a day to think about it. And they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I have no problem handing off the reins to them as I get to let our kids hear a different voice and see how they react and, um, and really have our, our assistants take ownership over, over what they're doing. So now it's at the point where I'm probably really vocal for 60, 70% of practice. I'm, I'm hoping that it becomes a little bit less as we progress. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always tried to, and I was really lucky like you. I had a stretch where I had three really, really good coaches that we were all together for about five or six seasons in a row. And every day for, for 15 or 20 minutes, all right, post guard breakdown, posts go down here, guards go down there, and I would completely step away. If, if my kids were in the gym, like my biological kids, uh, hey, how's your school day, catch up, maybe help right. them out with a little homework. you know. And I would, I, again, more than anything else, it was it was twofold. Uh, to give my coaches an opportunity to teach and to have the players listen to a voice that wasn't mine. And I think right. that was really, really important during that time period. So um, what about game nights? How do you, how do you work the, how does your staff work together on game nights? Well, we're very, we're very uh, routine based as I'm sure most people are with whether it be superstition or, or whatever. Um, the, Co- coaches know, aren't superstitious, Liz. Not in any way, know, shape, or form. I know. Yes. I, 
I, I would like to think I'm not as superstitious so much as I am routine based, but I probably am a lot superstitious too. So, what would Michael Scott say? I'm not superstitious. I'm just kind of stitious or whatever. So, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But you know, I, I, the second, you know, to, to be honest, the second I lose being nervous, excited, then I need to stop coaching anyway. So it's probably a good thing. Um, you know, we we have such a uh, very, you know, very very distinct an organized schedule of game day. It, it is clockwork. Our kids know what they're doing. Our coaches know what their responsibilities are to make sure that that all runs smoothly. Um, but with regards to games themselves, you know, the, the first rule of thumb with our coaching staff is you can throw out any idea you want, and, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I might agree. I might disagree because ultimately it's on my shoulders. But you are free to throw out any and all ideas, and I'm going to ask every single one of you um, as we go through the game. Because I actually spend more time thinking during the game about adjustments than probably actually coaching in some ways. Um, That said, coaches have certain spots that they're on the bench. Um, As I said, my JV coach, Dan, he's my staff guy. He's always aware of of what our foul situation is and, and individually and as a team. He's aware of the trends that are taking place with whether it be rebounding or turnovers, et cetera. Um, he's always in my ear about those things, which is really, really helpful. And he sits sort of near the table. So he's if, if he's not running the book, he's right by the book. He, he knows exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jeremy, who sits, my husband, who sits next to me, he's always in my ear, sometimes to, to my detriment. But um, <laughs> he's more of my... You know, especially if I get mad at a referee, he's the one that grabs my shirt and drags me back and says, sit out, mm-hmm. um, which much to my chagrin, the kids think is hysterical. <laughs> um, but he, he is the voice of honesty and, and directness um, right next to me. Fiona is working with the kids. She's up and down the bench, not only talking to the kids when they come out of bounds, um, but she's sort of making her way through various parts of our of our bench. Um Including, and I would say this is so important too, you know, the the energy, right? The bench Mm -hmm. energy, that's her job. She's got to make sure that everybody's engaged and and ready to roll too. Um, Including the kids that are in, the kids, you know, that come out, the kids that that are, you know, not playing a lot. Um, But she's going to give a couple of nuggets to those kids as soon as they come out, you know, to, to make them better. And mm-hmm. so we have this sort of well-oiled machine um, of of ways to kind of keep everybody engaged and responsible for a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there is there anything where, uh, like you said, your husband is kind of the offensive guru? So is he calling some out of bounds plays or uh, doing maybe some substituting or anything like that, or or does that all still flow through with you? He, he'll, he'll call offensive sets. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will, but a lot of the times that's up to him. Um, if we're going situational basketball, uh, you know, those things are all sort of discussions that we, we've already prepped for those. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, okay, which of the three are we going to run in this situation, whether it be delay offense or whatever. Um, but he's right there. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've, I can't tell you the number of times at the end of a game where we've been debating about which inbounds play to run or whatever. I don't run that timeout. He runs those timeouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine um, because the kids have associated him with that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So, so yes, I would say that he often is responsible for that because I actually, I'm so dialed into our defensive, you know, yeah. attitude and what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of that begins with your youth program, and uh, you're, you. It sounds like you've done a tremendous job of developing your youth, and like you said, you've had opportunities to move on from from the high school level, but you just enjoyed watching a kid grow up from third grade to all the way through your program. Uh, so describe your guys' youth program uh, from, we'll start at the bottom and, and move our way up through the, the middle school years. Uh, what are some things that, you know, you guys feel like you, or what are some things that you feel like you guys do really well to help develop players, to get them ready for your uh, for your for your program, for your high school program? And, and how does it, how does it all work for you guys? So we're one of the few towns that, that the uh, the Dalton Youth Association, which is sort of the, the the CRA, the Community Recreational Association, they they uh, this is a, these are people that are full time positioned to simply run town programming and youth programming. Wow, that's so, awesome! So it, it is a full time job. Um, our boys basketball coach, who has become one of the most tremendous assets that I could ever have uh, runs all of the youth programming in our town. And he has really taken me under his wing to understand the intricacies of how that all works. But ultimately for every sports program, they, they have organized all of the, we call our house league programs, which are, which are in town kids that play against each other to our travel teams, which some they call them suburban teams in other areas, but mm-hmm. but for us travel programs, uh, they organize all of it. They do it all. They do clinics. They do summer camps all summer. They actually, you know, I'll say yes, I will run a camp, but they do all of the legwork to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it is the the bind between the 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 lower kid, you know, the younger kids and the high school kids with youth night, that's all designed through this organization. Um, and so that was already in place before I got there. Mm-hmm. The difference is that, that the, the boys coach has been just so phenomenal about his willingness to communicate how things that have worked really well for him because he's been in the area forever. I mean, he, he, he grew up there. Um, to help us be successful at, at where we are at our level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everybody is so committed. I mean, it's just one of those towns where, you know, everything shuts down on a Friday night for football and, you know, everybody comes into the gym and, and you go to Applebee's afterwards and everybody says, great job coach when you walk in the door or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it really is like right out of a movie. So um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty special place. Yeah. What, uh, how, how early do you start your kids in your program? Kindergarten. Kindergarten. Okay. And what do you have kids doing in kindergarten? What's kind of the, the sliding scale as you, as they get older, you know, what kind of, what's the basic, uh, schedule, you know, if you will, for, you know, they're, they're playing in an in-house league as kindergartners or they're doing little skill, you know, Saturday skill sessions as kindergartners, but, and maybe as first graders, but in second grade, maybe we have them do this or whatever it may be. How do you guys structure that? Yeah, the, the younger kids up through uh, second grade, 
um, are, are, are only playing against kids in town, right? Mm-hmm. They'll, so they'll go in the little gym and they, you know, they're having games every weekend. And, um, you know, there are luckily enough kids that, that do every sport where you're, that's, that's a possibility where you can get three or four teams um, to just sort of be taught how to enjoy the game, mm-hmm. right? And then, yep. and, then, and then when you hit third grade and on up, um, you know, you, you have to, you can go into the sort of the house league teams that play against each other, or you start progressing to what they call the travel teams, which play against other, uh, other towns and, and their travel teams. Um, one thing that I think is really cool that ours do is that, you know, we don't want to discourage kids if they don't make the travel team, they should quit the sport. You know, I think that's a, that's a negative. So one thing that they do is they say, well, yeah, if you make the travel team, by the way, in order to be on the travel team, you also have to play in the house league games. Mm-hmm. So, so you you are committing to both, no matter how good you are, um, as a travel team player, to also be a part of sort of just the, the town kids playing against each other too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and I think that that is, has kept kids in our program. I think you know, kids, especially on the girls' side, tend to tend to stop playing as they, as they progress and get to high school, you know, I'm not good enough and, and that kind of thing. And the reality is, you know, if, if you're an athlete and you want to get better and you've got that, as you mentioned, you know, your, your championship character and effort, chances are you're going to find a place for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's been really important with, with sort of, you know, keeping everybody together. Yeah. And, and I think that is important, you know, uh, well, I didn't make such and such team in fifth grade. That must mean I stink and I'll never play in high school. So I'm going to quit playing. And it's like, no, that's that's not true. It's it's you stay with it here. There's a lot that can happen. And I think that's the that's the double edged sword that we run sometimes when we we want to get kids experience. We want to get them out there and and playing in competitive situations so that they do have opportunities to get better. But but sometimes we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot, and it's and it's a very delicate thing to not to to make sure we don't discourage kids from not playing if they don't reach a certain level at a certain point. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So, right. Yep. One more thing here, Liz, I wanted to ask you about you're, 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 you've built a tremendous culture and you do some really unique things. And, and I just kind of wanted to, to rapid fire with you here a minute or two on each one of these. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's got, probably got to be about halftime of the Tampa Bay game. And I know you need to get back to New England hero <laughs> Tommy Brady here. So, uh, But uh, you guys do a lot of different things. Uh, we'll start with team journaling. What's, what's that all about? Uh, what do you guys do with that? How often do you do it? What's the, what's the purpose? So forth and so on. Uh, really basic. I stole this from my friend Laura Habacker, who, who's a college coach, and uh, ultimately, really simple. You come into practice every day and get a get a journal at the beginning of the year, and each kid and coach passes it every day. So if I start with it, it's going to my assistant coach tomorrow, who's going to pass it on to another assistant, who's going to pass it on to our senior, right on down the line. You get to the end, the last kid's going to hand it back to me, and I, I continue it the next time. So we basically say, hey, you know, write a page every day. I don't care whether you're writing about, you know, how boring your class is, and that's why you're doing that in class, to, hey, we have a big game tonight, and this is how I feel about it, to, you know, we had a, a real tragedy, and this is, you know, we're going to respond. Um, but basically, each person that gets it, you write it in every day, you pass it on to the next person, and I've got about 
I probably started this about seven or eight years ago, and I've cut about seven or eight years of journals that I hope that my alumni will really enjoy reading at some point. Awesome. Awesome idea. Daily trivia. Yeah, this one's caught on a little bit too much. The expectations are too high for me. Uh, I divide up uh, the team in half. Usually it's upperclassmen, underclassmen, or depending on who I have, but two equal groups. Um, when we have our sort of midcourt meeting, after we do some sort of uh, opening drills to get the blood pumping, um, and we're going over what we're doing that day, right before we get into what we're doing, we say, all right, trivia time. And I come up with something, and it ranges from you know, some random geography question to, I'll, I'll put on the loudspeaker some, you know, like uh, TV show theme songs and it'll play one and they got to know what it is. First team to get it, they get the points for the day. I keep track of it the whole season and the, the team that has most at the end of the season gets some sort of prize. Awesome. Awesome idea. Uh, I, your, your kids are lucky I'm not there because, you know, I'd, I'd get, I'd, I'm a trivia nerd, so I I jump in right away. So especially if it was like '80s movies or '80s music or something like that, then I'd I'd, I'd be in. So oh, uh, we've done some of those. Don't don't you worry. Okay, like okay, so like what's an example? Well, my favorite is we'll throw in uh, the the movie quotes one. You play some movie quote from whatever, and I've done different different decades, you know, I'll be like, all right, this one's from the eighties. This one's from the nineties. This one's from whatever. And believe it or not, some of, these, some of my kids, they're pretty old school. You know, they're <laughs> listening to like Springsteen and, you know, they're watching eighties movies. And I'm like, really? Oh, nice. Uh, they know some of that stuff better than I know, you know, some of the old stuff. So oh, it's pretty cool. That's good stuff right there. I'm, I'm, I'm proud for, uh, all the way from Nebraska. Give your girls a shout out <laughs> from me. That's, that's awesome. So, uh, yearly slogan. Yeah, you know, this one's been a big build-up, too, is is I try to find something that, that really relates to our group um, every year, and the big reveal is uh, in the preseason, I get their T-shirt sizes, and I order T-shirts um, that have the slogan on them with our little logo, and uh, once those T-shirts come in, usually in the at the end of the preseason, I do sort of the big reveal. I talk about how that slogan relates to our team. Um, and then, and then everybody gets that t-shirt and they really buy into that. Um, we've done anything from my favorite was probably be the Buffalo. We've done sleep through the storm. Um, we did iron sharpens iron this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think a big piece of that is obviously when you spend, you got, you don't even know if you're going to play games. If you really want to get better, you got to get better against yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big piece of what we did this year. Um, and, and I won't spoil it because I don't think any of my kids are going to listen to me talk um, on the podcast here. But I think we're going to go with Water of the Bamboo next year, which is a Gonzaga uh, Mark Few mm-hmm. um, slogan, which their their, uh, their locker room is actually their wall is made of bamboo. Because if you if you if you start bamboo from the seeds on up, it takes about four years to develop. Um, and so with a fresh new start sort of post all of the craziness of COVID. And obviously I know it still exists, but I, mm-hmm. our season looks a little bit more promising. Yep. Then we think the good, it's a good point to start over, especially when we've graduated some significant kids from our program. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome idea. Awesome idea. Social media, Liz, any, anything uh, that, that you want to plug for, for yourself or for your program uh, that they can follow you and, and, and follow the progress of your team? Sure. Um, so my Twitter I do a lot on Twitter, 
which is at uh, Liz K A Y. Uh, actually, no, I don't think that's what it is. Coach LK twenty two. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I keep forgetting what I am. <laughs> um, and, and then on there, I know I, I, I can't keep track. Of it's that old thought. age thing kicking it's in. Like, yeah. It's like it's like Bill Belichick with snap face. You know, I don't even know where I am half the time. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, one thing I would I would like to mention is is. You know, one thing I've sort of gotten into in the last couple of years, and, and I would encourage anybody to reach out via email, too, which is L-I-Z-K-A-Y-2-2 at yahoo.com, um, is we sort of film a lot of the stuff that we do in practice, uh, which I keep, and I'm happy to share any of that stuff. Um, we are really, really well known for our one three one defense, um, which talk about keeping people off balance. We have some film uh, of how I break that down um, because it's pretty unorthodox. It's sort of the Gary Williams, um, John Beeline type of one three one. It's not your traditional one mm-hmm. uh, that we've found a lot of success with. A lot of transition work drills that, that we think are a little bit unique. Um, but I'm happy to send along or talk any of those things with any coach that's interested. Uh, because I think not only would I be willing to share it, but I think I can obviously really be really excited about making some connections with some other coaches out there. So I really, I think via email, certainly, if anybody wants to share information, I, w- I would absolutely love that. And I would encourage folks to do it because I, I, you know, now you've got my mind rolling a little bit and, and I, I have to try and limit what, you know, you know, paralysis by analysis and bringing in too much. But now you've got me a little intrigued, Liz. So uh, you might get an email from an email address that you've gotten some things from the last couple of weeks. So just be prepared. Just be prepared. I would, listen, I would love it. You want to talk X knows? I could do that all day long, too. So Awesome, awesome. Liz K. Liz K. Uh, from, and I want to make sure I say this right here. i got to flip my page here. Wakana? Did I get it right? Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> Wakona. Wakona. There you Re- go. There we go. Wakona, Massachusetts Regional High School. Uh, Liz, thanks so much for coming on. I hope you've had a had a fun time. Absolutely. Hope to be able to talk to you guys again soon. Awesome. Well, hold the line here just a second as we wrap up. Uh, again, Liz K., one of the best. Uh, I, I was so lucky, and, and, and I got to meet a lot of great people out at Snow Valley, and, and she was uh, definitely right there amongst that those uh, those folks. Just a terrific, terrific, terrific coach, and uh, excited to have her on the podcast here this evening. Uh, again, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, for sponsoring the podcast. If you are in need of chiropractic services, don't hesitate to give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402 402- Nine six four zero three zero zero. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Go to a pen and a napkin dot com and look for the personal growth and development videos on sale there, along with the newest one, defensive transition. And those are really, really cheap, really affordable. And I, I'd like to think there's a lot of good information on them as well. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin for daily coaching tidbits. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail dot com. My name is Marty Plum. I've had the privilege of having Liz Kay here on episode 93. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.